Hi, welcome to our podcast. To learn more about Liverpool One Church, join us live, give financially and to get involved, head to liverpoolonechurch.com. We believe God wants to do great things in and through your life today. Enjoy this message. Have you with us in the service today for the start of a brand new series called uh, Mask Off and um, it really is a great time for you to be with us in church and in a moment we're going to actually we're going to pray but um, before we do that can I just go on record and just say a few things firstly I just want to say a huge thank you to all of our staff and all of our volunteer teams who firstly not only make services and church work every single Sunday can we just give it up for all of our volunteers who just make this whole thing happen We love those guys, they're amazing. Um, But secondly, and I wanna make a real big fuss of just a particular group of people. Um, And that are throughout this summer season, Emma and I have taken some time out and I think that everybody understands that it's important, right? Everybody has to do something to fill their own tank. You've gotta find a way somehow to fill up your own soul. And there are a bunch of amazing people in our church family who have really enabled that to be a possibility for Emma and I. And those people are Nathan Rutledge, Dave Alex and Becky Scott, who I think that they've preached their hearts out this summer. They've they've been honestly so inspiring, so amazing. I was sat there on the front row and like every single Sunday when they're just preaching God's Word, I'm just writing my notes. I can't like write fast enough. I'm just like, man, this is just absolute pure gold. So um, huge thank you to all of you guys. We value you and appreciate you. Um, So before we do jump into the start of this new series, can can we just bow our heads for a moment? Can we just pray together? Heavenly Father, we, um, we're so grateful that we have the opportunity to meet with you today in the format of church. And Lord, we just pray that you would, you would allow every single heart in this room to hear your word today. We would ask that people would leave church today, not with a sense of being inspired, nobody needs that, not with a sense of maybe accumulating some knowledge, nobody needs that, but Father God, we pray that people would leave church today feeling and sensing and knowing like they've just heard from you. Lord, we're asking that today, that maybe those that don't know you would find you and those that have been running away from you would feel you. I pray that you would make these words, make them come to life, make them make sense, make them fall as seeds into fertile soil so that your word truly can grow into something beautiful in all of our lives. And we ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen, amen. Thanks so much, Sammy. We are um, jumping straight into it right now. And I want to ask you um, a bit of a question just as we kick off. I bet that we're all the same in this. I think that, that we're all not too dissimilar in life. And I strongly suspect that you want to live a kind of life, to live a type of life that counts for something great. I think and I strongly suspect no matter who you are, where you're from, what your background is, you wanna live a life of purpose. We all do. We wanna feel like we're, we're here for a reason. Like we wanna feel like we've got a purpose to be on the planet. We want to almost play our part in that purpose as well. Although sometimes, if we're honest, finding out what our purpose is to be on the planet can be tricky and it can be difficult. But for those of us, and I suspect that there are many of you in this auditorium today, because you're gathered here, you've chosen that you want to put God first in your life. 
Like you've made a decision at some point along your journey where you've said, I wanna be a Christian, I wanna be a follower of Jesus. And by the way, if you're in church today and you've never made that decision and you're just like completely sat on the fence and you're trying to figure out like, I don't know, is this for me? This all seems a bit weird. Can I just say, man, I'm so glad that you're in church and we wanna create an environment for you to come with your questions and with your stuff that you wanna ask and maybe your skepticism. We're cool with you being part of the family even while you figure out your own faith journey. But there are many of you who have already made that decision. Like you're a follower of Jesus. You are a follower of God. You're a follower of the way. And now not only do you wanna find out what your purpose on the planet is, but you wanna know what part you can play in it in terms of how God sees your life planning out. And this is great, right? Because there are some times when you feel like you know and can sense what God's plan for your life is, that it's so enthusing for you. It like, it makes your tank feel just so full of energy. You're driven, you're motivated, like you're on it all of the time. When you feel that sense of like, I know what I'm here on the planet to do. I know that God's got a plan for my life. I know that I've got a part to play in whatever God's plan is for me in my life. It's like so liberating. It's like you grab your, your, your first breath of air. It feels to you like, man, this is just amazing because I get to play a part in what God's got in store for me on the planet. But equally so, isn't it true that when you don't feel like, I don't know what I'm here for, and I certainly don't know what God's plan for my life is, I've got no idea if there would ever be a God dream over my life, isn't the same true that it makes us feel all of the opposite things? It becomes almost demotivating, debilitating, in fact. In fact, it makes us feel somewhat depressed when we feel like, man, I just don't know what I'm here to do. I don't know what the bigger picture of life is for me. I don't know what part I get to play on the planet. It causes us to feel like, man, God, are you even there? Do you care? Do you know what I'm going through? It's frustrating and it leaves us feeling pretty empty when we don't know what God's got in store for us in terms of his dream for our life. It can leave us feeling flat, deflated, no passion, no energy. Often the things that we used to love, we've now got no time for. And this is just how it works. And it's the same in your life as it is in mine. And what's funny is, is that the scriptures speak into this exact problem. The scriptures in Proverbs talk about the times and seasons and what we're to do in them when we feel that way, like, I don't know why I'm here. What's God's purpose for me? Does he have a dream for my life? Proverbs 29 speaks about this issue. And the author says this, he said, where there is no vision, the people perish. He's saying that where there is no God vision for your life, people end up perishing people end up dying, where there is no God dream, where there is no God vision, people die. Now, not in the physical sense, you know, don't worry, like if you're in church here thinking like, I don't think I've got a God dream, don't worry, you're not just gonna like drop dead and die on us, it's not what's being inferred. What's being inferred is that if you don't have a God dream, if you don't have a God vision, then there are aspects of your life that will feel to you like they are just dying on the inside. Like if you've got no vision for your marriage, don't be surprised if it feels to you like your marriage is dead. If you've got no vision, no God dream for your career about what you could do, what you could achieve, where you could go, then it's gonna feel every single day when you go to work, it's gonna feel to you like, man, my work life is entirely dead right now. What good could ever come out of this? What is my part to play? This is how it makes us feel. When you, you can even be alive, but have no vision, no God dream for your life, and it can make your faith life feel completely dead. 
You can be alive and in church and yet it feels to you like your church life is completely dead, a million miles away from you. And the writer's clear, it's because there is no vision. There's no God vision, no God dream. So as a result of that, everything around you will feel to you like it's going to perish. Your dreams, your goals, your aspirations, your divine sense of I'm here to do this will die on you and disappear from you when you don't have a God vision and a God dream for your life. And maybe all that's missing, if you've ever felt like we've talked about, like down, flat, I don't know what I'm doing anymore. I don't know what I can do anymore. I don't know the reason why I'm on the planet. I don't know what part I could ever play in anything that's bigger than myself. Maybe all you're missing, if you've ever felt like that, according to the writer of Proverbs, is a God dream. It's like it's the only thing that's missing. And what's fascinating to me is I believe with all of my heart that God still speaks today. And you can be encouraged by that. And that might sound a little bit weird, like, no, how's he gonna do it? Is he gonna like send some angels to dance on my duvet of a nighttime and like communicate with me? That sounds a bit weird. No, no, that's not how ordinarily and in the main that happens at all. But I am absolutely convinced that God still speaks today. But the language that God uses to communicate to you and I, especially on issues such as this, is through dreams and through visions. It's the way that God communicates to you. It's kind of like if you've ever, you know, maybe been sat having a coffee, looking out at the skyline of the horizon, and then all of a sudden, you start to feel like you've got this dream going on on the inside of you, and you kind of go like, where did that come from? And the more you think about the dream, it excites you, it motivates you, sometimes it can even overwhelm you because it feels so good, so amazing, so incredible if it were to ever happen, but you can't see a way that it could ever happen. Chances are, That is God speaking and communicating to you because he still speaks today and the way that he speaks is through dreams and through visions. Now, in fact, I'm gonna give you a couple of different translations of that same proverb scripture that we've already recounted because I think that sometimes it's helpful to just understand how different translators pitch things to us today. So in the New International Version, it says this, where there is no revelation, where there is no dream, where there is no God vision, People cast off restraint. Do you know what that means? It means that when you haven't got a God dream for your life, when you haven't got a God vision, casting off restraint means that you start to embody this attitude that kind of says, well, oh, well, whatever. Like, who cares? Like, I don't know what God's doing anyway. Like, what's the point of me even trying? Kind of like you start to lose this sense of hope when you can't see or feel that God's up to anything in your life. You cast off restraint. You just start to land at this place that becomes the mantra of your life. Like, well, I'm, I'm just not bothered. Like, I just don't care, whatever. And this is a really bad place to find your life at. And it's bad because it's like you're living at the lowest form of life. That kind of mode is just survival mode. Like you're existing, you're surviving, but you're certainly not thriving. And as far as you're concerned, no God dream, no God vision. So you just naturally, we all do the same thing. We start to cast off restraint. And I just wanna say that really, I've just got one goal here today. I wanna try and convince some of you that if you feel like your life exists only for you to to survive, 
Today, I wanna convince you that actually God has called you to live a life that will see you thrive. I wanna convince you and show you that God has still got a dream and a vision over your life, no matter how far God may feel that he is from you right now, that this is gonna work for you. I want you to know that you were created for significance and for purpose, and you've got a part to play on the planet, and when you don't play your part, the planet misses out and loses out because it needs you and your involvement and your willingness to partner with whatever God has got in store for you because he has a God dream and a God vision for your life. The message translation, it's like this super cool modern version of the Bible of that same scripture says this, when people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals. You know what that means? It means that when they pursue what God's dream is for their life, when they pursue what God's vision is for their life, look at what the author tells us, they are most blessed. Blessed. It means that they are happy in their soul. A happiness that is not rooted in circumstance, kind of like, you know, when life is good, then you're happy, and when life is not good, then you're unhappy. He was saying, no, no, it's not that type of happiness that comes to you when you start to pursue what God's dreams and God's visions are for you in your life. The writer's saying that actually the type of being blessed that you really want is the type that sees you happy in your soul. You know what God is up to in your life. And as a result of that and being a part of it, it's like you feel content. You feel like, I know what I'm here to do and I'm okay with everything that I can't do because I'm playing my part. So my one goal today is just to see some of you start to dream again. My one goal today is to see some of you pregnated in your soul with a new sense of God's vision, His purpose and His dream for your life. Because it doesn't even matter, right? No matter how dead a dream feels in your world, I believe that I'm here today to almost blow on the ashes and the embers of a big dream that was once burning like a fiery furnace that today feels dead and dormant to you. I just wanna blow on it a little bit and just see what God might do in your life. Because here's what I know for me. As I look back over the years, and I've been a Christian for a long, long time now. As I look back over the years, this is what I've found. When my life is full of like God's dream and God's vision, I feel like my life is healthy and balanced and I'm in a good place and I'm passionate and I'm kind of stable and I'm well-rounded at the edges. But in contrast, when I live life and I feel like, man, I don't know what God's doing anymore. I've got no vision. I've got no dream. It normally leads me to a bad place. It normally leads me to a place where I'm like, man, I don't know what I'm doing anymore. I don't know even why I'm here anymore. I feel like I've got no drive, no purpose. I'm not excited about anything. I'm not enthusiastic about everything. It leaves me feeling like I'm just surviving. And yet God has definitely called us to live a thriving, growing, abundant kind of life. So that is what I wanna try and get us to because when you live life with God's dreams and God's visions centered in your world, it makes me, and maybe you'll experience the same thing, just a healthier person. And that's fascinating to me. Because actually when you look at the word dream and health in the Hebrew, and I don't like doing this often because I think that sometimes it can take away our confidence in the English translations of the scriptures. So I don't like doing it an awful lot. So when I do it, I promise you it's because there's something significant in there. 
But the word dream and health in Hebrew are so intrinsically linked and so close together that our translators, when they were converting the Bible into a language that we could read and understand, they struggled to know whether they should use the word dream or health because the two things are synonymous. When you're dreaming, you're healthy. When you're healthy, you're dreaming. The two things work hand in hand, not circumstantial, but like blessed and happy and healthy in the depth of your soul. So the bottom line is, is that if you ever find yourself in a season where there's something in your world that doesn't feel healthy, chances are it's because there's no dream or no vision attached to it. Now what we do, and I get it because it's practical, we look at our marriages and when our marriage isn't working right, we go, well, what we need is a date night. No, you don't need a date night if you feel like your marriage is unhealthy. You need a new dream, a God dream, a God vision for your marriage. And it's the same for your career. It's like you don't need to just get up earlier and go to the gym so when you go to work, you feel like you've burnt off all of your excess energy and anxiety. No, no, you need something way more than that for your career and your work life to feel balanced and healthy. You need a God dream. You need a God vision happening over your world. It's the same in your finances, your friendships. Every component of our life needs a God dream and a God vision hanging over it. But there is a big problem when it comes to dreams. There's a huge problem when it comes to dreams. And often this can actually be very much so dependent on what your own personality profile is. Because some of you just find it really difficult to believe in dreams. And you certainly don't think that dreams, even if they did exist, then they're not coming true. Well, can I just go on record and say that for those of you who are like that, I'm like that too. I'm like, you know, you don't do 11 years in the police and not become a bit of a skeptic at times, you know? You tend to look at life through the filter of, really? Come on, there's a scam there. That's not right. That's not real. That's how you tend to look at life most often. Well, I want to encourage you and say that this very auditorium that you are all sat in today, right, came about as a result of a dream and a vision that we believe that God gave a group of us and we were told by everybody, not a possibility. People told us it would be an impossibility for a church so young as you were to take on thousands, tens of thousands of square feet in Liverpool city centre's prime real estate land. We would not be able to do that. And then we were told, even if you did find it, then it wouldn't be zoned correctly. Like the classification for the area, it wouldn't allow you to use it as a church. And we were like, okay, well, there's another challenge. There's another tackle. And then people told us, well, in order to raise the hundreds of thousands of pounds that you're gonna need to have a facility like this, it's gonna take you two years, maybe even three years. And we were like, we've got 16 weeks to raise the lot. And they were like, oh, well, maybe you could do it in pledges. You know, people can pledge in 16 weeks and then pay it in two years time. And we were like, like, uh, nope, that's 16 weeks cash in the bank. And if we get that, we're good to go. And if we don't get it, then we're absolutely screwed. And let me tell you, you're here today because a few people had the boldness and the bravery to trust God and be courageous and say, I think God can do it even in spite of everybody else's no. So even if you're naturally inclined to not believe in dreams, I want you to know where you're hearing this message from today, you're sat on a seat that came about as a mere dream. But there are five types of people that are all gathered in this church today. Five different placements that you will find your life in as far as it concerns dreams and God dreams in your life. And here are the five things that you've got to understand about maybe where you are. And you'll probably be able to find out which number of this dream stage that your life is currently in. And it'll be helpful to you. Because these five stages are true for us all, 
at some point. So the first person that's in the room is the person that has no dream. Like you, you just don't have any God dream in your heart at all. You don't have any God vision. You kind of, you have no clue what you're here on the planet to do. You have no idea about whether or not God would ever want to use you. Like you just don't, you don't have a dream. And you know people that maybe do have a dream, maybe people that do have an understanding of what they want to do and what they want to achieve. But for you, you just don't have any dream at all. And I just want to put to you this. If you have no dream on the inside of you, maybe that's because you have no God on the inside of you yet. If you have no dream, it's probably linked to you having no faith at this stage and this season in your life. Because what I do know is this, when you do start to put your faith and trust in God, our Father in heaven, the maker of everything that is seen and is unseen, he starts to deposit dreams into the depth of your soul. So if you've got no dream, I just want you to think, maybe your no dream is as a result of having no God, no faith living on the inside of you, but it's completely fixable. And it's only a prayer away. It's completely fixable. But some of you, you've just arrived at a place of going, I don't have any dream on the inside of me. Now, the second group of you, you've got a dream. It's just that it's the wrong dream. Like you've got stuff going on, but like when you really get down to it and you really start to think about it and consider it, you know that it's just kind of like the wrong dream. And it's not even a bad dream. I'm not talking about like this is bad or this is inappropriate or even like this is some crazy sinful thing. No, no, I don't mean it in that sense. I just mean that it's the wrong dream for you to be pursuing at this stage and season in your life. And it's kind of like what we often do is we get wrapped up in wrong dreams all the time. We pursue things that we think are gonna be great for us, but actually don't further us on any t at all anymore. And I had this going on for a big season in my life when I was like 16, 17, 18. Like I was just convinced. I was either gonna be in a band or I was gonna make it as a DJ, right? So like this was back in the day before like MP3s and Spotify, even before CD players and mini discs. And it was like, it was all true, the pure vinyl classics. And like, we, I just used to love DJ. And I had the whole thing set up in uh, one of the bedrooms at our house. And um, man, I, I've got like a record box that was just worth thousands of pounds. Like I put all my money into being a DJ. And um, this is what I found about DJing, right? The moment that you start to experience just a little bit of success, just a little bit of like, hey, can you play this venue? Hey, can you do this gig? What happens is you start to, to start to have like this new group of people that you hang around with. Other people in that industry too. Some of them like fantastically skilled DJs. But for me, this is what I found, right? And this is how you know if the dream that you're pursuing is the wrong dream. You know that you're pursuing a wrong dream because the moment that you start to get some traction with it, the moment that you start to get some people like clapping their hands going, wow, you're amazing, you're incredible. The moment that you start to earn some money from it, the moment that you might start to sell your product or get on your course or do whatever it is, the thing that you're pursuing, the moment that that starts to get some motion behind it and it starts happening and everything that you think is gonna like satisfy the innermost cravings of the deepest part of your soul leaves you feeling empty. 
And it's not that it's a bad dream. It's not that it's like sinful or wrong or crazy. It's just the, it's the wrong dream that I felt that God was wanting me to pursue. And that night, right, I'm about 18 years of age. I got down on my knees one day and I was like, God, I don't know why this is making me feel so empty because it seems outwardly to be the thing that I love the most, but I am gonna give my entire life to serving you and following you and figuring out what your plan is for my life life. That's how you know when you're pursuing a wrong dream, because it'll start to move, it'll start to fly, it'll take off, it'll get traction, but it'll leave you feeling empty. But then there's another group of people, and you're, you don't have a wrong dream, you've got a dead dream. Like your dream is just completely dead. Like the horse is well and truly dead. So what's the point of trying to ride the thing? That's how you see God's dream in your life. And maybe it was the kind of dream that at one point, man, it was such a fiery furnace. The thing was so alight, man. It could be seen for miles. But now your God dream, well, well it's just dead. It's, it's non-existent. It's not really there. It's not really happening. It used to be fired up, but now it's barely even a flickering flame. It's dying out. And here's what I know about dead dreams. I mean, I've been in church for a long time. I've been a follower of Jesus for a couple of decades and I've learned a few things. Not a lot of things, but just a few things. And what I know about dead dreams is this. You cannot just casually walk back into or pick up again a dead dream. It never happens like that. So if you ever arrive at a place in your life where you feel like, I don't know what God's doing anymore, I feel like the dream and the visions that I used to have in my life have just gone and I would love it for those things to be rekindled, but I've got no idea how we'd ever get back to that place, I promise you, you're never going to just walk casually back into the God dreams that hang on your life. It's gonna take a hard right turn. It's a little bit like, for those of you who have ever given anybody CPR, you know, I've given two people CPR and it wasn't pretty. But the thing with CPR is this, right? When you go on your training, what you try and understand is how everything should be like a process and a system and it should all be calm and it should be like, right, we're gonna do doctors A, B and C, we're gonna check a bunch of stuff and then we're just gonna get at it and it'll all be calm and organised and just just beautiful. But that's not how CPR is. It's messy and it's hard work and you've really got, got to get energetic about it because what happens is all you become consumed with is, man, I've got to get this heart going again. If this heart does not get going again, we're really going to encounter some huge problems. And you're sweating and you're trying to count right and you don't know if you're pressing too hard or too lightly. And it is just taking your energy. It's not easy. It's laborious. It's hard. Heart, but you're going to give it absolutely everything that you've got. Well, you've got to do exactly the same thing with a God dream that's dead in your life too. You can't just be casual about it and kind of go, well, if I just maybe turn up at the thing and if I just go on version Bible app maybe once in a while. Hey, I promise you, you're never ever going to get a God dream back in your life again by being casual about it or being lackadaisical in your approach. It's just not how it works. And for me, I've only ever really found that two things kind of work. So if you've got a dead dream in your life, you're probably gonna to have to do these two things. And they're not the most exciting of things. It's prayer and it's fasting. Now, prayer is when you kind of go, hey God, like I need a God dream going on in my life. I've got no sense of motivation. I'm flat, I'm down, I'm depressed. And there's a dead dream going on that used to 
used to, I feel like you would pursue me and I would pursue you in it years and years ago. Now that feels like it's all gone. Well, you're gonna have to pray and talk to Jesus about that. But the second thing is, is this word called fasting, which kind of for me, you know, gets overcomplicated at times. But fasting is when you intentionally choose to go without something that you love to kind of demonstrate to God that you are so serious about the very thing that you're praying about. So whenever I'm fasting, I always fast cabbage because I just want to go without cabbage and I don't mind, you know, Jesus, do you see how much I'm suffering here? I'm not having any cabbage, right? No, no, like sometimes people will fast sugar, they'll fast chocolate, they'll maybe fast a meal in the day and it's almost like you physically trying to make this spiritual statement of God, I'm so serious about getting this dead dream back to life. I, I, I mean business in this. This is not me being casual. I am going to go from it because that's what's going to be needed if you wanna see your dead dream come back to life because it's absolutely possible for that which is dead to come back to life again. Now, the fourth person in the room, you're the person that's got the vague dream. The vague dream is kind of like, you kind of have this sense of maybe God would wanna one day do something in you and through you, but you kind of don't know what it really is and you certainly couldn't put any language to it. It's not like you could, in an explainable way, have a conversation or a discussion about maybe what you feel God has put you on the planet for, but yet you still carry this sense of, I think God's got something in store for me. So you've got this vague dream and you've not really considered it, and you've probably not prayed about it, and you've certainly never written the dream down. And you know what, that's funny to me because there's actually a scripture that talks about like, hey, if you have a vision, write it down and make it plain. Like it becomes so helpful if you've got a vague dream to start to pray and become communicative with God about your dream and start to write down what you think God has put you on the planet for. And then the fifth group of people, you're the ones that has the God dream. Now, this is the, the dream that you feel and sense that is gonna be honoring to God. This is the dream that you feel like God has deposited in the depth of your soul. But if you've got a God dream, and I, I don't wanna be the bearer of bad news about this, I'm not gonna try and scare anybody, I'm not gonna try and freak anybody out, but I just wanna talk to you from a position of understanding what Scripture says. If you've got a God dream, there is gonna come a time in your life where you're gonna to have to give an account to God about what you did with that God dream in your life. Like there's gonna come a time and a season where God is literally gonna say like, hey, you know with all the technology that I gave you, what, what did you do with that? Hey, you know with that thing that I gave you, what did you do with that? Hey, you know with that dream that I deposited into your soul, what did you ever do with that? And do you know what, for me, I want the same thing for you as I do for me, for my family, for my kids. When God asks me that question, Hey, what did, what did you do with everything that I gave you? You know what I wanna hear coming back at me? Well done, good and faithful servant. I don't wanna be the guy that never pursues the God dream that he's given me in my life. And here's how you recognize a God dream. You know that it's a God dream because it's something that's always gonna require God's help. If it's something that you can just do on your own, in your own strength, in your own kind of way, I bet you it's not a God dream because a God dream will actually kind of freak you out a little bit. It makes you go like, raise how much money in 16 weeks? Are you crazy? We're never gonna be able to do that. That's often what God dreams look like. But remember we were talking about how you can't just casually walk back into or get back into a dead dream? I wanna now just try very, very quickly make a real simple point. 
I wanna take you to the very first book of the Bible because in Genesis there is this principle and it's called the law of first mention. It talks about how whenever anything is spoken about for the very first time, it's a really big deal. And it's such a big deal that we cannot just kind of skim over it like it doesn't carry any weight or importance. But the law of first mention will tell us that you've gotta really consider this and understand how this can outwork in our life. And in Genesis, I think that there is a clue for how we can all ensure that we live out the God dreams and God visions for all of our lives. And it says this, Genesis 1 verse 11, then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed within it according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds, and God saw that it was good. Let me just pause there for a moment. What we're actually starting to see here is that within the very things that God was creating, God was also placing within the thing that he was creating the potential for it to create something else. So it's really important this, because you've got to kind of see like the law of the way the earth is to run is that everything should always be producing. It shouldn't be stagnant or doing nothing. Everything should be having within it the ability to create and add value and make more. God wanted, and I think that this is what this scripture is teaching us, a system through which he could have the ability to create more. And then verse 27 tells us that, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. I mean, no other thing in all of creation was ever created in God's image. How incredible is that? That you today have been made, sculpted and created in the very image of God. But then verse 28 tells us something really key and really significant. It says, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it, rule over it, the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So that is the call that God has given out to the planet, to humanity and to us as human beings. We are called to not just exist and survive, but rather to be fruitful and increase in number. In other words, to be like trees from which great healthy fruit hangs off our life, increasing and populating and growing and multiplying. And yet what you've got to understand is that this doesn't always happen and we often live without a God dream or a God vision because we mess up the system because God created a system for healthy things to grow and to multiply and we mess up the system because the system by which humankind would multiply and would grow and seed would be able to reproduce seed. The system was called intimacy. Now, I don't wanna make this into a lesson that we don't need to talk about, right? But without intimacy, there is no multiplication. Without intimacy, there is no growth, there is no produce, there is no seed bringing forth seed, there is no children, there is no population increase in the planet without intimacy. And that's why you could end up living feeling like so often, I haven't got a God dream, I haven't got a God vision in my life because you're lacking intimacy. And intimacy, and I understand why we lack it because I promise you, I am so like you in this. The idea of getting close to somebody else, and I'm not talking in a relational way, I'm talking about in a real authentic friendship kind of way, requires you to take off 
your mask. It means that there'll be times and seasons where people are gonna see the ugly part of you, where people are gonna see who you really are, where people are really gonna see bits of you that you would be ashamed if anybody else would know. But yet the very thing that's found within those moments, when you take off your mask and you say, I'm not in a good place right now. The moment that you take off your mask and you say, I am struggling with this right now. The moment that you take off your mask and you talk to a trusted friend and you say, man, I don't know what to do about this. I'm addicted on this. I'm hooked on that. There's no way forward. I'm broken. I'm a mess. I'm a ruin. The moment that we choose not to take off our mask, it means that you can't produce and you can't be fruitful and seed can't populate the planet and good things can't grow off the tree of your life because we break the system when we choose not to become intimate with people, brothers and sisters in Christ. We break the system. And if there's one thing that the devil is interested in, let's just talk about him for a moment. It's not that you live a miserable life. It's that you live a life that has zero intimacy. That is his goal because if he can stop you being intimate, which comes when you get close to somebody and take off your mask, then he knows that nothing good is ever gonna come from your life. You're not gonna multiply. You're not gonna grow. You're not going to move forward because God is attracted to honesty and not perfection. And that's what happens when you take off your mask. When you choose to take off your mask, it's like all of your dreams and visions, they start to come to life again. And in closing, I'm gonna read you one really short story that's found in the New Testament that is just a beautiful picture of how this can work in your life and in mine. In Mark 8, verse 22, it says that they came to Bethsaida and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he'd spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? And he looked up and he said, I see people, yet they look like trees walking around. Verse 25, once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then he saw his eyes were opened. His sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home saying, don't even go back into that village. You see, what you've got to see from this story is really just a few things. The very first verse in 22 tells us that it was some people that brought a blind man to Jesus. You know what that tells me? There was a group of people in his world that he was willing to take his mask off with and go like, this is my, this is my issue. This is my disability. This is where I'm broken. This is where I'm not working in the way that I'm supposed to. This is me. And it was those friends that carried him to Jesus. Like Nathan preached about a few weeks ago. Without friends, people often live without a miracle, without close proximity. You live without that sense of intimacy. And it's found again in this story. Entertains me though, that the way that the friends begged Jesus to touch him. And really what they were meaning was like, hey Jesus, can you do this thing that we've seen you do before? Like, can you heal him, do the touching thing? Because they knew of the stories. They knew that Jesus had been around town to town healing people by touching them. So they were saying to Jesus, hey Jesus, will you like do the touching thing? <laughs> it's just hilarious to me. Like if there's one thing that you don't ever wanna do, it's tell Jesus what he should be doing. Which makes me go, all right, okay. Maybe that's why he ended up spitting in the man's eyes. But it's fascinating, isn't it? When he said to him the first time around, do you see anything? Verse 24, and he says, I looked up and I see people and they look like trees walking around. Question. How does he know what trees look like? It's because he once had sight. 
It's because He once had vision. It's because like you and I, we once had a dream. We once had something going on in our life that feels so broken, so distant, so far out that we're never gonna get it again. And He knew, He knew because He'd had sight before. And what's hilarious to me, just write this down. Scribble it in your Bible, verse 25. After Jesus has, Jesus has prayed for him once, touched him and spat in his eyes. Verse 25, it says this, and once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened. You've got to know this. If you're living with a dead dream, if it doesn't happen after one prayer or even two prayers, you've got to know that sometimes the biggest miracle in your life does not happen in the course of a minute or a moment, but it happens over months and years. The biggest miracle in your life sometimes is not always moving everything forward. It's just standing your ground and being faithful and trusting that God will do in you and through you that which is more and exceedingly abundantly more than you could ever hope, dream or imagine. So I want you to know this, right? That if you have a life, but you feel like you're not living, then your dreams today can come back to life. If you feel like you're alive, but you're striving, I want you to know that you can be alive and thriving. I want you to know and understand that God can impregnate your soul again with new dreams. He can rekindle the fan and the flames of the fires of the old dreams that you felt were dead and gone and buried. And now you're like, where's this even gonna go? So today, my prayer for every single one of us that calls Liverpool One Church our home in this next season of our life is gonna be that you will have new dreams, that you will experience new new vision, that you will experience a new sense of God working in your life, a fresh wind, a new wind, a new thing, a new thriving way of following Jesus, that today would be the day that you'd leave church feeling a sense of God has just breathed life into my soul. But the question is this, are you gonna be willing to take your mask off? Are there gonna be people around your world that you're willing to become intimate with? Because as you become intimate, your life will produce great fruit and multiply. So church, can we stand to our feet and let me pray for every single one of you. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that you can take that message and apply it to your life. Also, don't forget to take a moment to subscribe, rate and review this podcast. To get connected or stay more connected to the life of Liverpool One Church and learn how you can join us live, visit liverpoolonechurch.com. Thanks again for joining us and we hope to see you again soon.